0: we were talking before we start recording and when you're asked to do as i have been this week kind of quite mundane design jobs for a specific pitch or presentation there is part of you where the client is saying we just need something which is similar to this brand to make our point and as a creative person i i really hate that because i want to do like what i think is a creative solution but i just get in the way because it's like it's not what's needed they just want something quite prescriptive and not imaginative and that rub and that resistance is really irritating for me because i just don't want to give them something conventional and boring but that's exactly what they need and i thought so even this week i've found that you question what's the point in doing this because i'm so bored and I don't need to really plug my brain in to do this. And it's kind of almost insulting because it's like, well, what are you using me for? So I know that it's really hard to maintain enthusiasm for the work. So it's, I, I'd I probably like it'd be interested to know what the group felt. I have a couple of things which I would encourage people to try. I know that um, to try and see more, be, be a bit more kind of almost naively optimistic about the work we're doing, but um, throwing it open to the group, how have you handled it when you're kind of, getting bored or all kind of ground down by the monotony of what we're doing
1: i would say um over the years i've experienced that i've experienced um the clients from nightmare as well who have like sucked the life out of you and you question why am i doing this again why have i attracted the same person um and i think at that point i was the I might as well just jack it all in and go and work in a shop somewhere um, because then I don't have to have this anxiety. Um, And I think one of the things is is because we give our heart and soul into working on creative projects, you know, um, it's something that we have such a great skill at that we put our all into it. And sometimes I think we can be very guilty Of burning ourselves out without realising. So for me, one of the things was ensuring that um, I took time off work, because I would do the seven days a week constantly. And I would feel guilty for not taking time off because I felt like I've got to be constantly seen to be trying to earn some income. Another thing that I would say from that is that I adapted and evolved, so I would just stop design work, but I went down the, let's have a a consultation with somebody who might be just starting out in business, can't, can't afford me to do a whole branding project, but would actually pay for my insights as to where they need to start and where they need to go. And I think that's really rewarding because those type of people haven't got a clue and you really kind of like shine a light on the path for them to head down. So for me, I found having a couple of different revenue streams, but you don't need to have them all active at one time. But it's kind of like it it's there if I need it. I can just open it up as another service promote it out saying I've got my diary open I can do a couple of appointments this month um or even you know you you do a webinar or you create a template and sell it passively because why not go and create something that you're passionate about that you can sell direct to people so that's kind of my insights of before you jack it all in Hmm. Look outside the box and see who else could needs my help? Who Who else could I serve, but in a different way? That means I'm not then hung up on that one-on-one client work.
0: Yeah, I've known my friend, she runs uh, and sort of, recru- not recruitment, but she's a solicitor who does like employment. And quite often instead of laying people off, she'll say, she'll suggest, why don't we just give people different roles within the company? Because it just might be that they're doing the wrong thing. So you don't need to kind of go through the, the the process of hiring and firing. You just need to move people around a bit so they actually are a better fit somewhere else. So I like that idea of kind of if I'm doing something like design, I then mentorship is an option that's open to me. Or if I have any personal projects, so like I could be doing, like I said, it's it's freshening it up, isn't it? So it is. I might design film posters and sell them on Redbubble like I've done in the past, just kind of as a creative outlet that gets me through uh, the mundanity of, of what I'm doing. I know that, and I've probably said this before, but when I used to work in Sainsbury's, I used to sit there. I was so bored. This was when I was at university. I would, and again, I should have done DJing to earn money. I don't know why I was in Sainsbury's, but I would sit there working out a DJ set on a bit of paper or what work I was going to do. And people just go, oh, is it not working because you look busy? And they left me alone. So I was kind of like this thing of I was doing something else at the job, which was making me look forward to something else. It's not I was obviously I apologize, Sainsbury's. I wasn't really earning what I was doing. But it's it's this thing of there's it's an interesting thing, isn't it? If you're doing something else that you're really enjoying, the temptation is like, should I be doing that all the time? Or is this just just I'm just scratching the itch to make this bearable? how have you found it
2: so um yeah I was gonna say um yeah I think I've always found it um it's a catch-22 it's kind of uh, a love-hate relationship and sometimes you go all in and it's like that thing Emma was saying that you you become so invested and you really care and you blood sweat and tears and you bleed and you practically push out this design and just as you're uploading it, someone else has done the same project a million times better. And you're like, yeah, of course. You know, and that just crushes you and you sort of give up. Um, but yeah, I've always found um taking a break, um and you know, I don't know, it's sometimes it's just a small break of, you know, sometimes a weekend does a trick, or sometimes it is just like a go on holiday. You just need you are just starving for a holiday. You just need a break away from it. And I've always found that even though I'll get to that point where I just want to completely give up, or just go and just do something else, just drop design altogether. I've still found myself uh, when I'm bored uh, tinkering at something, and I was like, "Well, I can't let it go either." Clearly, um, so because I always wind up back back to square one. But sometimes you do. You just, sometimes you can get bored and and burn out. With sometimes it's a project really long. Sometimes uh, it's a client. Sometimes it's I don't know these child protégés or um, you know, <laughs> setting up design agencies, and you're like, "Wow, okay." Um, or sometimes, yeah, sometimes AI. I mean, there's all sorts of things going on these days. But um, yeah, I think for me, it's just always been a break. And when I come back from the break, I always realize that I can't give this thing up um, because I love it too much. Um, so sometimes it is just a break.
0: Yeah, I think that's. A, I think it is something like I said. It's it's almost the, the break gives perspective and it builds up the the hunger for it a little bit. I mean, then you're asking the question, have you, how, how have you sort of handled this or come up against
3: Um, this? I don't think I've handled it very well. <laughs> I'm still figuring it out for sure. Um, I find that like I've kind of, speaking to the kind of like the points that were already mentioned, I feel like I kind of cycle through the different parts of my business. So I'll get super into strategy. And I'm like, I love this because I don't want to touch design right now. Like I don't care. And then I get super into design. I'm like, I don't want to think about strategy. I want to design something just because it's pretty and fun and cool. And I don't want to have to think about audience. Um, And sometimes I'm like, I love both because I love having that bird's eye view of the whole process from first thinking about the strategy to the design, to the execution, to implementing it. And so I like that whole pipeline. So I think my way of trying to sort that out has been like cycling through those different areas. Um, and I, I think that more, I tend to get more kind of trodden down by the business side of it, you know, the chasing the clients or, or the the projects and updating the portfolio and all those other things that go into, um, you know, being on your own, I think is sometimes what kind of bogs down. So if I can find some balance between the strategy to, the strategy the design and all the business to-do lists that I might be able to find a, a good a good balance but I'm not sure but I love the idea of breaks and and you know just kind of stepping away because I, I do find myself drifting towards design even when I'm like I don't want to do the client work but I'm like oh but there is this really cool brush that I want to try in photoshop or this one cool tutorial I saw so I find myself still fiddling with design just not on someone else's terms or not because it's a brief or not because of something else.
0: That's kind of a good you're listening to it's an instinctive response isn't it kind of you know if you end up back doing design in your spare time or you're looking up design stuff on youtube then you're kind of into it instinctively if you know what i mean so i think that's probably and it i always feel it's it's like it's almost doing spec projects or testing out like i used to buy um stuff on creative market because i wanted to play with whatever the product was and i was like oh i could use this for a design and a poster or whatever it was and i find that's a kind of that's a for more free expression so i think that's a good i think it's good i think it's kind of um it's important to have that built in and be completely accepting of the fact that i do design that i hate but i also do design that i love and they can both coexist and that's okay and then i think if the challenge is always going to be part of the reason you probably love it is is the lack of expectations and the lack of feedback from other people and the kind of there's there's less constraints on it so you have a bit more freedom and you're left alone there's less pressure so I think it's um I think I guess the one thing I'd say from experience from for me was we were always really n- very naively optimistic to sort of believe what could be possible in the brief and I know from experience that's not always the case but the example I always think of as a really good thing to remember would be um, the fearless girl statue in New York in front of the bull. When I spoke to Pete, who did that, he was saying that that came out of just like a, a newspaper and a brief for a newspaper ad for a bank, which is really quite boring and prescriptive. You can imagine the client is boring. The subject matter is fairly boring. You have to be quite straight and direct. Um, but it ended up as this, so obviously it was a kind of the brief would have been something like a reaction to sort of big banks and capitalism, and maybe like we stand up for the little guy, kind of a sort of sentiment. But again, it probably was in a financial broadsheet, so you can't be kind of that's you know your audience, you know you got to be careful. But uh, but the fact he was able to turn that into Fearless Girl, for me is really inspirational because it just shows that if there's something really uh, cool or you've got a really interesting idea for it. It can really go legs, uh, you know, grow legs. And and my friend also who I used to work with, he came up with the rainbow laces for um, football, you know. So sort of it was that thing. That, that was an idea that was a brief. I think he was working for Paddy Power, and it was kind of or whatever it was, and it was like a, a another weird idea he had. That they were like, well, we've also got this other idea which became hugely successful and and really adopted pretty much worldwide. And that was a, a secondary thing. So what I would say is the brief that you're working on, just because the client has determined the media that it's going to end up in, there's always the chance that it could be something else. So I think that's always the little bit of, if you can try and stay, slightly romanticize what's possible within this, I think that's always trying, that's always good to try and aspire to. Sometimes it's just going to be garbage and there isn't, but I think sometimes if there's the chance to come up with something a bit different and that's what you work up and that's what you work on, I think some, I've also found that clients, if you surprise them with stuff, I know this is not on brief and it's not what you're used to, but I had this idea I really like, you'd be surprised at how many people are actually kind of like open to trying it. So it it allows you an opportunity to sort of change their perception of you and what you're capable of. So I I think as hard as it is, if you do come up with an idea just, you know, at random, then trying to sort of present it just to lift yourself out of the boredom is, is definitely, it's worth a go. It's uh, But the other skill, which is the flip side, is knowing when and when to do this. And the best people in advertising, we would do, take every brief and be really kind of um like this and try and make it brilliant as well as brilliant as we could. The smart people who got promoted well beyond us and were always the ones who got, you know, what's the word? Headhunted and taken to bigger agencies, they knew which briefs were the ones to put their energy into. So they would be given a brief and they're like, This isn't one we want to win. So we're not going to put any any energy into it. We're still going to give it a go, but it's a strategic one. You're going to deliberately not go through to the next round so that more people will be taken away from the big, juicy briefs. And they're like, Yeah, this is for Guinness. This is for McDonald's. This is the one that we need to break. And then that's when they would put all their energy into that. And I knew a team, they did one. Campaign. They moved to another agency, worked on a Guinness campaign, and they were doing. And they came in late. And there's always this thing of if you're late to the brief, anything you come up with is 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 has novelty factor because everyone's burnt out. And then they won that, and then they moved to another agency in under a year, I think. So it was like this real kind of snakes and ladders. They just got three ladders and were just at the top of their career um because they just got re- they were really good and strategic with their brief. So that would be the only thing I would say is it's good to be kind of. Um, see the potential in the brief but also you have to be a kind of strategic enough to know yeah this isn't something that i'm going to put too much of my energy or get heartbroken over because it's just not it's not the right timing you know what i mean but that, that was that was a really good question and then i think uh you also had a question about something which i'm dealing with which is starting an email uh newsletter type thing and i'm glad we've got emma here as well because she can advise us on well i say us i'm, I'm going to be Watching this back and taking notes as to how I can do it. But one thing that I would say this week and is Emma, uh, I, I sent it to you. You've got a shout out with David Hyatt's doing a. Oh yeah! Thank you for sharing that. Doing like a live. Uh, it's, well, it's a it's a newsletter. I this is just total info hoarder addict. I like I've been I'm knackered. I was up to one working and I fell asleep in the afternoon. I woke up and saw that email and it was like I've got this new email. How to build a like a sustainable three hour, yeah. In like and it was that, and I was like, Oh yeah, I'll buy it like an absolute fiend. I just and I remember thinking, What am I doing? Why have I just just like blurted out like yeah, take 350 quid, please? I just want to learn, and then I calmed down and woke up and just thought, What are you doing, you weirdo? You don't finish any courses, you've got his book sitting over there, you've got the audio book, and you you never finish those, so now you're just paying to unfinish another course. So, anyway. But the goal was, oh, I I might actually start and finish a sustainable newsletter. And then Leneen, you had this question. So your question was about kind of email newsletters, wasn't it? And then at the end, after this, I want to talk about daily newsletters because I had a really good email, ironically, about that. So Leneen, please take it away.
3: Um, Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like a broad, you know, kind of how to start. Um, Obviously, I've been researching things and I feel like whatever tactics were, worked maybe even a year ago, two years ago, like no longer work. Um obviously social media has changed in terms of algorithms, platforms that have kind of lost favor with people, um, and those kind of things. So there's so much tactics and things that are up in the air in terms of what works and what doesn't work. Um, but then there's also just like core stuff that I feel like it doesn't matter what platform you're on or what tactics you use, like that still matter, you know, like what is your your USP, so to speak? What is a clear reason why people should read this email list or subscribe to your newsletter or whatever. And those kind of like evergreen things that you should sort out um are probably the most important things. So um it wasn't really a question. I was just trying to like sort out, trying to get every all my ducks in a row, so to speak, in terms of like what do I do first? You know, like just uh, yeah, it was a lot of a lot of research and thinking about when to just start implementing and things like that. Um, I have a relatively small new le- small newsletter uh, or small email list right now uh, that receives a newsletter. Um, and you know it's it's growing slowly but surely, but I don't know why. I don't know how exactly people have found it or what they like about it. And I'm just like, okay, you guys are here. That's cool. But like, why? And what do I do next? So um, yeah, just trying to figure it out as I go.
0: One thing I just will quickly before I'll hand over to um, the others well, because I forget my brain, it comes in and flies out like a bird in a cage with the door open. One thing that uh, my old business coach, Matthew Kimberley used to do as part of his newsletter, which I think is really smart, was at the end of every week, um, he would write three questions and it's like, what did you do this week? What are you going to do next week? And what are you struggling with? And I really like that kind of easy kind of what you've, what you've been up to tell me and the whole thing of like, what are you struggling with? Or like, how did you find me? Or like, what could I, you know, the, the, the active market research. And as he said, it's like, if I, if I get 50 replies and most of them say I'm struggling to get clients, they've already validated the content that he's going to focus on. And he was doing this at the end of every newsletter, every kind of week, pretty much. So he was always taking the temperature of his audience and they really enjoyed the interaction because he could speak to them and his email strategy, it's called the single more mastermind and that he sells it. And I think the price varies, but it's about thousand dollars a year. And you email him every week with what you've done. Like you're like, this is what I'm. Go- I've done. This is what I'm going to do. And then any questions you have for him, and he has is he's under no obligation to reply. So basically, if you if he feels that replying with some advice, he will do, and he he does often. But it's such a clever newsletter because he's. I'm not saying he's pre-written 52 emails, but they're they're fairly timeless, business-themed emails that are really good. And they're constantly giving him ideas. And I just thought as a format saying, like, if you sell, you know, I mean, if a $1,000 for a year and you're not really you're just reading emails and not really responding, I think it's pretty good. If you've got 100 people signed up for that, I mean, and that's all you're doing. I think that's pretty great. So he's a very shrewd man. But I wanted to add that because I feel that that component at the end of might be useful for you because you'll you'll gain an insight into who is reading and what they're up to and what they're struggling with and that might then help you identify where they're coming from so I wanted to just include that because I think as a going forward adding a little thing like that at the bottom of the email is, is going to be sensible for anyone and it's only something I want to do but I would love to I'll go with um em first to see if she's got any thoughts because I know Emma being a kajabi wizard will, will know exactly how to do this so
2: uh, with me, uh, not there's not um, I've not really um, yeah, I don't, I don't have much input with regards to newsletters, so it's not something I've dabbled in too much. I've set up a few sort of um uh, automated ones, uh, but outside of that, I've not done much. So yeah, not really my my department. Emma's probably okay. that's.
0: Do you have any that you read?
2: So. Oh. Like- Subscribe so, we
0: to to forward to. so yeah, because we all subscribe to loads, but there are any, are there any that come through that you're like, oh, I'm definitely going to read this?
2: Yeah, um, a handful. Um, I do, I have some like copywriters that I listen. To. I think I tend to subscribe to what I'm struggling with. So whatever I'm working on, so recently I've been doing a lot of systems and processes. So I've, I've subscribed to a whole load of people who sell that service. So even in their newsletters, they're giving away tips and tricks. So I will sort of subscribe in sort of intervals and then I'll unsubscribe when I tackle that problem and then, and so on and so forth. So every time, so it's just very purposeful. That's kind of how I do it.
0: Okay. That makes sense. So so, um, Emma, as a, I break it down, how should we be doing this?
1: First of all, frequency or or actually, like I asked you, why do you want to do a newsletter? So my question to you, Thad, is why? What's the outcome you want?
0: I, the, the truth is I would want to build an audience um, in a way that I feel that the newsletter isn't controlled by an algorithm, if you know what I mean. So I think that with an algorithm, the the perception is that the goalposts are moving continually Is it's striving to kind of find the best content and show it to people. And I've seen a lot of people with big followings. Very little of their content is seen by an audience. So as someone who struggles with their kind of relationship with social media anyway, I feel that a newsletter, I'd really enjoy kind of writing one. And I'd really enjoy building a more, uh, a better relationship with people and trying to help them. And I think if, if you do it well, more people will read it and be, and be seen. So for me, it's about nurturing a relationship with an audience that I like.
1: Sure. So there's many ways you can um, structure a newsletter. Um, for example, uh, Morning Brew, it drops in my mailbox every day. Every day that drops it. Well, actually, it's because it's from America, I get it midday. But I got to the point where I was getting overwhelmed with it. So every now and again, I switch things off. And then I might see something from them on Twitter and I go and switch it back on again. I resubscribe. That isn't an ideal tactic to me because it's like you've you're given me so much information. I'm like, I'm not actually doing my job because I'm reading your newsletter. And then I'm going off on a wild card and I'm down that rabbit hole. So for me, it was actually I need to rein my time back in and make myself accountable. So for me, um, in Google Mail, I use the promotions tab where I put all my newsletters into. So when they drop, they go into there. They don't go into my primary mailbox. So that's the first thing, um, because I only allow certain newsletters into my mailbox because they're the ones I want to read. Um if I've gone and downloaded a freebie and then you've just bombarded me. I'm like, no, goodbye, sorry. You know, I I don't want that. So again, it's about knowing your customer, what frequency you are going to show up with. So the daily sounds brilliant. However, you have to commit to that. And I think anybody who has, you know, If you're juggling more than a few plates, that might be hard. Or if you haven't got a team behind you. Me, for example, I have a weekly newsletter. But what I found is I sometimes found like I was just talking to the deep blue ocean and getting nothing back. So for me, I'm kind of now playing around with the structure because it's your newsletter. It's your own algorithm. You can do whatever you like with it. You can show up on a frequency that suits you. So for me, I love the idea of uh, I'll do like a quarter's worth of newsletters, and then it's all been on one topic. So I, I love the whole. You know how you sign up for Netflix and you can binge on a whole season. Mm-hmm that's what I want to do that's how I see my newsletter is I will drop seasons you can wait till the end of the season and binge them all at once or you get them each week they're released like an episode so that's my tactic I want to put a spin on you know um I want to do things differently and I'm constantly adapting and evolving um when i've had feedback it's been brilliant they're like oh my god i so needed this today because what i tend to do is um i focus on one topic my read time is always less than three minutes so i never go over that threshold of three
0: minutes how Um, do you check for that sorry is there like a word count or does it it, i I draft
1: it in grammarly okay And it tells me what the um, reading is and the spoken time is. So so it's brilliant. And I just copy that stat and put it into the top of my newsletter. So it's always less than three minutes. It's delivered every Saturday morning um, when it's out live. So for me, it's that I have to be consistent. I have to show up every week when I say I'm doing what I say I will. When I did a workshop or the course with Justin Welsh, um, which was the OS content, really interesting, his newsletter, he it's called Hub and Spoke. So the hub is his newsletter and all the spokes that come off it are his social posts. Um, and one might be Contarian, one might be, if X is this, then Y is that. And there's different spokes. But two of the key spokes is the before and after the newsletter goes out. So the day before he sends his newsletter out, he will put a Twitter or a LinkedIn post saying, um, tomorrow I will be um I will be talking to X amount of how many, however many subscribers he's got about X, Y, and Z and If you would like to be included in that, here's the sign up to subscribe. So it's interesting. He's dropping breadcrumbs of tomorrow my newsletter comes out. It will have this topic and it will also – it's just the way he structures it is brilliant. And he'll also do one like – so he sends his newsletter out on a Saturday. Then on Monday – He'll do a post hub um, tweet, which is on Saturday, X amount of people opened my newsletter on.
0: And it's like so. it's kind of validation, social proof and kind of promoting it in a way that's like, don't take my word for it. These people are into it.
1: But it's also that fear of missing out kind of yeah. think oh i'm gonna sign up for that that might be interesting especially if he's got tens of thousands of subscribers so there's that kind of concept
0: um what about you mean what do you because i mean obviously have you, have you got any questions or with what, what emma's talking about does any of that resonate so like who are you how what's your plan behind your newsletter
3: um to talk about the format is interesting because um when I first started thinking about it, I was very like, okay, there's rules, you know, there's all these rules like best day to publish, how frequently to publish, yada, yada, yada. And I got sucked into that. And I started thinking, okay, well, obviously consistency is good. So people know what to expect, but also for me to keep myself accountable, um, to to kind of stick with this and not fall off or get distracted by client work and also to stick with it long enough to see if I actually liked it. Because if you do it one week on and then two weeks and off and on, it's kind of hard Um, But then I started to wonder, you know, does consistency matter to the readers? Because some of my favorite newsletters are more storytelling and they come when they come. Like, I don't know, it's not every Tuesday. It's just like this person had something to say or they want to share this moment. And I love that and it doesn't bother me and I'm not tracking in my head, oh, I didn't get this newsletter from and so this week, that's weird. You know, it just, whenever it does come, it feels kind of more like a journal entry and it's nice. Um, and then also uh, about structure, I found that when I started my email newsletter, I set a structure for myself. So I have like three sections and three topics. And so I always know, okay, this is what I got to have content for. And that kind of helped me because at first it was like the wild west. I didn't know what to write about. But if I know, okay, I always have to address A, B, and C. It's almost like I have a game plan. All I got to do is sit down and pull my links or you know, throughout the week, I'm leaving little mental notes to myself anyways. And it's just more of a like curating and cleaning them up. Um, so that kind of helped for me. But yeah, so as Emma was talking, giving advice, that, that was in my head, thinking about the format and consistency and all these kind of like tactics.
0: No, it's good. Just wanted to check in. So sorry, Emma. Carry on,
3: because that was good. I just wanted, I was just curious. No,
1: brilliant. I do you know what? It's about people will sign up because you do it differently. You're something fresh, invigorating that lands in their inbox. Um, you know, I um, I subscribe to Write with AI, and I actually pay for that newsletter. I pay twenty dollars a month, but. It's almost like a mini course that comes out to me every week. So, again, their content has something that I can really enhance my business with. And it's like almost that mini course that I'm like, so this week I learned this. Mm. And it's like that to me is like a brilliant structure because you're monetizing a newsletter and it's just training, really it's another way of selling an online course so that's something else you know you, you're talking about um you know if you get bored and you want to you know switch things up a little bit you know it could be you have a particular topic that you love to talk about but it could be behind a paywall on Substack. um so there's those options i think for me i have um you could have so many different newsletters It doesn't have to be just one so again if somebody likes a particular newsletter on um, your creative direction or something that you love to talk about which is a particular topic they're interested in it but it might be they're not interested in hearing anything to do with strategy so that's where you could also do the poll to say Do you want a bit more of this? Do you want a bit more of that? Mm. I think for me, I do a lot more of um, everything I've done in my first season has all been about figuring out your purpose, um, figuring out your balance. um, And what I also do is I archive my newsletters as a blog on my website. So if you're new... You can still go and read all the back copies of my newsletter. Um, so that's something to do. And then it's really good when you're doing a newsletter, you can link back to that blog post of in issue number, whichever I spoke about. So again, it's then you're getting traffic to your website. So again, it's about we've got the algorithm of them opening. Are we converting? So we need to look at the conversion of possibly only having one call to action. Otherwise, you're confusing them with too many call to actions and they won't do anything. So it could be short and sweet, one call to action, and then literally you get a good open rate and then you get a good conversion rate. And even if that conversion rate is just sending them to read other things quite often i will put a free notion template in there just to get that kind of conversion to say are you reading it and are you downloading stuff that i'm writing about um so you're testing
0: you're- out their interaction just kind of see i sent it out to this many people the open rate was this percentage and the click through to this template was yeah that makes sense i think um it's interesting yeah cuz i pay for uh, the newsletter is uh, what's it called trends.vc and i think it's about 250 dollars a year but they come up with these reports every couple of months, a couple of weeks and the one that just came in this evening is about daily newsletters and it talks about um a lot of people it's it's very much keeping up to date with industry news is, news and trends which we said like the morning brew the hustle there's so many um And it it is this thing of, but it's relentless, isn't it? I can see here it gives lots of recommended like different ones. The prediction it says here that people will start using AI to write daily newsletters because, you know, writing it, curating it, and all of that is going to be quite difficult. And it says here like AI Hunt used ChatGPT four to automate ninety nine percent of their writing, and prompt an entrepreneur writes a fifteen hundred word daily newsletter using AI. So I think this is going to become kind of more prevalent. Um, And then what I thought was interesting here, it talks about obviously locational stuff. So the Edinburgh Guardian is like news in your area, which is kind of much more tangible. But it's saying here like about how daily newsletters turn emails into podcasts. So for those who prefer kind of listening to reading. So it says like uh, CNN's five things started out as a daily newsletter and turned into a podcast. And they think that they will start to see more million dollar daily newsletters. So uh, 1440, which I think is a tech roundup, they're expecting that to earn more than $5 million this year from a daily newsletter. Superhuman has a two-person team. It earns 800 six to $1.6 million a year, which is kind of crazy. And then it talks about how um, Daily Doe uses Mid Journey to make its cover images. So it's like really interesting to see the AI technology being built into these. Um, and then it says about how people will monetize their audiences with books. So Anne Helen, Anne Helen Peterson promotes her books of our culture study, which must be her email. And then there's all these sponsorship opportunities, and about you know paid communities, affiliate marketing, you sort of. And it says here, building an online course. So go deep on a subject the audience wants to learn. So you you did this, didn't you as well, Emma? Because it's got you did. Is it ship thirty for thirty? Was kind of that yeah. kind of thing, wasn't it? Um, um, and also
1: Justin Welsh, his newsletter is yeah. sponsored. So he, so basically, his business model is he does a newsletter and sells two courses, and
0: he does one-on-one work. That's it. Yeah. So, um, no, 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 no. Go on, please. Sorry, I'm just.
1: So, so yeah, so his newsletter, um, literally. Um, there's I think there's now a wait list to sponsor his newsletter. Oh wow Um it's that popular.
0: Um, he's she, a big Twitter guy, isn't he? I think I've only ever seen him on Twitter, occasionally on LinkedIn as well.
1: He is on LinkedIn. Well, he has a course about LinkedIn. Um so he's got LinkedIn operating system and content operating system. They're two um processes that he uses to write content and and how he uses that content on LinkedIn. Um there are other um like for example ship 30 for 30 they're the guys behind write with ai yeah. so i would say um you know all of their stuff that i've subscribed to everything helps me to write better so i'm it's teaching me how to use chat gpt with the topic of my newsletter and then it will give me all of the um best hook lines to try okay. out so you can do a b testing on it so i would say especially if you're doing a newsletter it I, I think i have two um links that i can share with you guys um that are wanting to do newsletters um where you get a month's trial for right with ai so you can oh, okay. go in and have a look so I'll share that with you um and what they'll do is when you subscribe they say do you have a friend that wants to know how what, that you think would be interested in it here's um three links for um 30 days free trial of our newsletter yeah. so again if you're doing a subscription think about that how are you so I always have at the bottom of my newsletter um ways you can work with me
0: also, yeah, that's quite a good one, isn't it? I know that. um Sorry, just to what well, you mentioned, that. I know that my friend Lucy, she she really recommends her clients have that as a proper post because it's yeah. like, you know, so it's very much you're just reminding your people on LinkedIn. It's like, this is how you can choose to work with me. And a lot of people kind of overlook the simplicity of that. So, yeah, I love that.
2: Yeah,
1: how you can work with me. And um, even that, you know, are you struggling with something? If so, you can always hit reply to this email and I will answer you. You know, it's the the being humble at the end kind of thing. And again, yeah, if you have a friend that would love to read this, please forward it to them. So all of those things, think about, you know, you have your open heading. Um, I, I can't think how I've worded mine, but basically mine's called Chatterbox. So you get my chatter in your inbox. Nice and then you
0: know it's like I love that I'd be I'd be secretly delighted if I come up with that because you've got like a little line to sell it in yeah yeah
1: and then literally it's like um you know delivered to you every Saturday that's it then I've got the issue number then you've got how long it is to read and I will also include whether there's you need to planning any action time so if i give you like three or four questions i'll say action time you need about 30 to 60 minutes because what that means is they're gonna bookmark me to come back to me later because i've told them you're gonna need 35 minutes
0: with me that's nice so what Um, i'm I'm going to go through the key lessons that they recommend for daily newsletter to see if this is helpful for anyone And then I'm going to come back and hammer you, Emma, on how do we get people to join the list? Because if I'm sending out a newsletter to one person, obviously I want 100% open rate, but uh, I need more people. So this is going to be, that's what I'm going to come back with uh, questions for. So it says here, key lessons, pick a topic that has enough content for a daily newsletter and combine related topics if your subject is too niche or niche. Um, Build in a value ladder to upsell products. So engage readers with free content before promoting your paid offer which is what you mentioned, Emma, about kind of Substack and things like that. Um, Quality and consistency matter. Do not sacrifice quality for the sake of your publishing cadence. Again, we've actually said this. So um, form a unique voice or perspective. You need to give value and entertain to stand out. So that's quite... It should be intuitive, but it's harder with AI, I think, probably to do that, but that's a good one. Um, daily, Daily newsletters compete for attention. Help readers process information fast by keeping content short and focused so again what you're saying emma there of like read time sort of I, i've seen like i think AppSumo, for example yeah app sumo do a really good job of promoting their products because they got a catchy title summary video and then the full thing um daily letters allow for sorry daily newsletters allow for experiments uh daily release schedule lets you test new form formats with a faster feedback loop so i think there's all these uh, interesting sort of things of doing it, and these people are making a lot of money. So, if you want to know more about that, I can share this report with you. But it's very, very good. What I would like to see before we sort of finish any other business would be what are the what, what would you recommend? So, uh, wh- what's the best way to sort of actively be getting sign ups What would you say? Is it a lead magnet? Is it wh- what would you say? Hit me
1: really interestingly. Um, and I did it. I am. Um, Daniel Priestley um, found him through Ali Abdul. Um, he did um, an interview with him, and um, basically, he just show up, showed up on a, as an ad on Instagram. Now, I've never done an ad. I don't have hundreds of subscribers, but for me, it's about. Ugh, I only want people who, literally, want to read my stuff. I, you know, and share. the the word kind of thing but what daniel did um he put out a you could sign up and get a free copy of his book and you would also and it's happening this saturday you get to do a free course with him so one of the things that is that you have so much stuff sitting in kajabi yeah you could quite easily do. A live webinar um, where you get people to sign up to come to this webinar and from that webinar you share this course or a module of your course for free or you talk about the concept of the heist um, but what you're doing is so I've had the book turn up today and um, and it's amazing. I'm just like, brilliant. I've got a free book. I've got a free course. And all I've had to do is give my email address. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else got a copy? <laughs> well, I'm just I
0: think I'm gonna hammer you three. Look at this. I've got I, I see you and I raise you. I over- oh <laughs> hold on. And then I doubled down <laughs> with 24 assets. Look at this. <laughs> okay. This look at all these are box fresh, unread. <laughs> and I have audible. Where is it? I've got, I've got that book. This is brilliant for people listening, isn't
1: it? So what is this idiot doing? Yeah, so anyone that's listening, we're all just pulling yeah, our going, books yeah. off bookshelves.
0: Key person influence is really good. I really genuinely, like I said, I think he's really great. So that is quite intriguing as far as and, and Steve sort of mentioned this where you're kind of you're being you're using the specificity of the ad machine that um zuckerberg has built to really hunt out people that really want what you're going to be talking about so you're kind of instead of i suppose the other way which is i'm going to kind of build it and they will come field of dreams i'm going to go to people in the baseball stadium and go do you like baseball because i'm into that you know you're going to go and hunt them out and then give them something which is like value loaded up front to kind of win them over which is what you're saying if you get a free book and you get a course Yeah, kind of like the the, you know the social kind of um what's the word the obligation to pay him back the law of reciprocity is kicking in hard isn't it so like when he says oh by the way i've got you know would you mind promoting this he's going to play on that psychology so this is that's intriguing how he's doing that because i think and i suppose yeah he probably like james clear creates a, a specific landing page purely just for the newsletter drives everyone there and that's how he does it does that that would make sense. I like that approach. I I kind of, that would make sense as far as your ad spend is an investment as well, because if you're, it'd be interesting to see when he sells to you, that'd be the next bit.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, just on the James Clear thing, interestingly within his newsletter, because he is one of them that I subscribe to, um, he will always have three, um, like quotes or something. Yeah. And, least one of them has tweet this underneath it so you tweet it out so again you're getting an interaction you're sharing his point of view out onto a social media platform so that's another way um but yeah for daniel um i i've loved him i've actually interacted with him on twitter as well um i find twitter is a brilliant platform i think You know, this could be somewhere where, you know, you can get on there and you can get a good following.
0: So, Lenine, for you, does this, if we reflect this kind of um, this knowledge, this wisdom, this brilliant stuff for you, is there something that you feel that you could? Because, again, I guess the challenge is, as you said, it's like I've got some people I don't know kind of how up for for, how engaged they are, how relevant, you know, I don't know what to do to them sorry, do for them. Is there an element of like, could you create something that you like, like Emma's talking about, which is quite specific, like a mini course or a, or an ebook, and then, um, you know, put a bit of ad spend behind it. Was there anything that you could do with it as a similar level? Yeah, I think so. Um,
3: because when we were talking about, you know, freebies and lead magnets and all those things. I think back on um the comments that were replies that people had sent back from newsletters. And the things I feel like were like, oh my gosh, I love this was usually like, um, something, uh, pretty actionable, like, um, I don't know how to, like, here's a tool that you can use, or here's the three steps you walk through, like that kind of thing. Um, or it was kind of my insider view. Um, so I, one thing that was I think popular I got some comments on a lot was um, I showed uh, when I was doing a branding project for a client how I actually tested their brand colors for accessibility like compliance like that like literally it was almost like a walkthrough it was like I use this tool here's what the answer said here's how I fixed it yada yada and a lot of the creators were like oh snap okay I heard about these tools but I didn't want to go into them and I wasn't quite sure um, so that makes me think okay there might be something there for a downloadable a lead magnet a giveaway a checklist or something um, and just kind of you know it would be repurposing what I already did so i don't have to put any more effort into creating fresh and that could kind of test the waters to see what what people like
0: and i'm guessing emma's saying put in a notion board I'm, i can hear that no sound. no no
1: what i was going to say is um really interesting on that topic um so google analytics has changed recently um haven't got a clue what i'm doing with it if i'm honest i um, if somebody's got any access to newsletters about that please send them my way because i need to learn But I've had a report come through today telling me that I need to fix some accessibility on my mobile issues. That's your little golden nugget to say, watch out for the Google Analytics now giving you what you've got problems with for accessibility. And that's where you could do my 10 point checklist um, for accessibility in Google, for example. Within your brand, you know that's just what I have a problem with. It's like, oh my god, other people might have it. You know, I think some of my fonts too small on my mobile, and I'm like,
0: oh my god, I didn't know that. So that's quite interesting, there. So you're kind of if you're building that out. So let's, because Lanine said obviously someone has mentioned that behind the scenes case study was really interesting. So that's almost like your content, which is a can become a blog post, and then you're kind of going. From that, I can just I can put this into like an accessible PDF. I can take the article, make it kind of more uh, digestible as a lead magnet type thing. Then we look at what Justin Welsh is doing. Going, I'm this weekend. I'm going to be releasing um, your guide to accessibility. Blah blah blah. Do it. And then you go. By the way, this many people read my guide on access. So it is kind of all coming together, isn't it? Where you're going, you're you're looking at the response of my audience magnetizing if that's a word the the content and then promoting the magnet to the newsletter and then like promoting it again so it was a little sequence I quite like that kind of thing because then you're embedding that if you found this useful share here if you have any problem share here and it is this kind of like it's all rooted in like it's been validated early on isn't it and I quite like that kind of that sequence
1: what you can also do, so this hub and spokes, so the six spokes, you're going to use the two main spokes for your pre and post. Um, what are the six block.
0: spokes, just out of curiosity?
1: can't think of them off the top of my head, but I can that's share right. them. I can share yeah, literally You know the I've main got, ones, before and after, so that's lovely. But, yeah, but there's like the contrarian, there's the effects was this and why was that and, and oh, stuff. Right. But you don't put those out all in one week you will spread them over the, the month. So Brilliant. gradually, you're you're mixing and matching your tweets or your Instagram posts, and they're all linking to your archive page over on your blog site. So if you miss this, click the link.
0: So you to could read do like a newsletter where you're comparing the, the best uh, tools for making inclusive design decisions on a mobile, say, or the best tools for testing your design to make sure it's inclusive. Then you could do, why do I need to be inclusive? What's the point? You know, you could take the other way of like, well, can't people just adapt? Is it worth it? Is that audience so small? That could be another argument. Like, you know, and so you're you're taking a theme and kind of doing all these things around it, but they all drive it all back to whatever your take, here's a really useful guide kind of thing.
1: I would also say, and I've thought about doing this, is that um, do you ever see somebody doing something in design on um, Instagram and you save it? Well, now you can save them into different folders, but now you can share those folders. So it could be sign up for my newsletter and I will share you everything I've saved on design in my Instagram account.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Because we're all naturally hoarding stuff like... Mad it's like,
1: like, you know, the the new things that are coming out on Illustrator, I'm like, oh, I'm saving that. Oh, I'm saving that. Because I haven't got time to figure it out myself. Yeah. So these are the things as designers, as copywriters, that if you see what somebody else is doing, then you share that. Because one of the things that people... And this, to me, was the, the pivotal of... We have knowledge, we have wisdom, we have experience. Everybody can go and Google what we know. But what people will pay for is a guide, somebody to show them the shortcut, to show, someone to show them the next step in the process. So you can share all of your content. But if you do a course where you talk them through it and share your knowledge or you do a webinar where or you do one a month Q&A where people can come and ask you accessibility questions, people will pay for that.
0: Okay, so Lenine, again, could, she could do like a Loom call where she runs down the top 10 websites and tests them. Then yeah. she could do like, here's my design accessibility makeover on a site before and after and what I did. And she could break down the design decision. She could do like a sort of screen recording of her doing it. If you One other tip, I don't know if this is relevant, if you use Keynote, one thing I found that's quite good is the infinite undo button. So you, you finish the design and then you press and hold Apple and press and hold Z, and it will just go all the way back to the beginning. And so you screen record that and then reverse it. And it looks like you're building it up. So I found that's quite useful. Now, of course, I don't publish this or show this to anyone. I don't do anything. I just notice it and go, that would make a really good video, Thad. And Thad goes, You're right, Thad, you should do something about it. I will, Thad, but later, Thad, we've got stuff to do. And then I go, yes, good point that we've got stuff. Oh, look, what's that over there? I don't know, Thad, let's go and have a look. And I'm gone. So I would say uh, that, yeah, all these little things that you're kind of doing anyway, it's like you say, it's neatly packaging it up so that you're taking the, it's the convenience, isn't it? it? The book they ask you answer, a lot of that is the curation of stuff so it's like you can instead of having to create content i can just pick the best of and review them or recommend them and then i create something of value that i can then use and i think so yes i I really like that way of thinking of consistently delivering little value bombs i suppose and then promoting the value bombs off the back of the newsletter so that way that makes a lot of sense that's really nice
1: i would also and my last tip for this is i love notion But one of the things you can do is when you're sharing uh, a resource, so obviously you can share the link with them. You can publish that as a web page, which is only accessed by the link, but it has analytics behind it. So you can see your open rates and how many times it's been accessed. So that is why I like Notion. Because anything I do that's a freebie on Notion, if I've created a template, you know, you could do literally a 10 point template that anyone can download. You could even upload it to no, give it to Notion so it sits in their master template. And at the bottom, you have a link back to you. Again, it's another way of getting yourself out there, another platform to be seen on because I do that. If I see a really good template in Notion, I'm like, who created this? I'm clicking on their link. I'm going to find out. So always think about if you're creating content, is there a step that you can almost have like a dashboard? Or like I said to Steve, you create a wiki page for accessibility. I mean, that would be awesome. I don't know what...
0: You're gonna uh, what a wiki page? I know what Wikipedia is. So what, how would I create so, a wiki page?
1: So a wiki page is almost like um, you would have a Thaducation wiki page, and it would have this is uh, meet the team. So it's just literally links to oh, other pages. Oh, okay. And it's it's like a dashboard of shortcuts. Um, and it's like if you want to quickly grab your profile picture and your bio, it would be on there. If you want your brand assets, there'll be a link to it on there. So, again, you can create these like wiki pages because they're just full of like that. You could have a wiki page for every creative direction session you've ever done.
0: Oh, then you leave all the links there like sources like it does. In- yeah. oh, okay. oh, this is quite good another place to hoard stuff. I like it. I like that concept.
1: That's amazing. But yeah, brilliant. And, you know, actually, this talk has inspired me too because I'm launching season two in September and it's all going to be about accountability and productivity.
0: Well, yes, because that's your community thing, isn't it? So it's kind of, (laughs) you have to. Well, this is is
1: the thing. Because... Whatever you do, Thad, if you do a webinar about, um, I don't know, whatever you want it to be, the ultimate goal to get them to sign up and join Thad Education. You know that's your that's your revenue starter there at the end of that. So you do the classic forty-five minutes. You've got kajabi, so then you can have that as a continuous rerun every fifteen minutes. And people can come in and join, and you might have that set to run for six weeks.
0: Yeah. No, this is um is is so helpful because you know what Kajabi is capable of. So it's it's definitely this is something like I, I I'm very slow. I think about it a long time before I act. But genuinely, all of this is kind of uh, finding that sweet spot where it's something I look like to to sort of uh I'd use a callback or close the loop. It's the thing that we talked about in the very beginning how can I stay in love with creating the newsletter so it doesn't become a chore? And I remember why I did, why I'm doing it. And that I think is finding a way to do it that's sustainable, not from a global, eco- you know, ecological point of view, but just that it doesn't burn me out or bore me, I think is the challenge and finding a topic that I'm happy to write about. That's got a lot of content points. That's the thing. So I think for me with all of these, it's finding that sweet spot. And then once I'm ready to go, I can like kind of, I can, Get a lot done, but I found that the biggest problem was the stop-start thing. You think you have an idea, you're really on it, and then you kind of you get bored because it's either too narrow or it's not really what you're on about. So, all of this, I personally, I found immensely helpful, and I can start to begin to see how it all comes together. So it's been immensely helpful. So thank you, everyone, for questions and and answers and everything. It's brilliant. I think we should do
1: another one on the first email that goes out. And well, yes, this is a
0: whole new thing, isn't it? Like what you write to welcome people. And I've I been... Mean, the welcome sequence. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's... I mean, it's getting quite granular. But, it, but also, ultimately, and I kind of... Uh, this is just true of, I think, anyone, whatever you're doing, the more ways you can insulate yourself financially by having multiple revenue streams in different forms, I think is really sensible. So knowing how to kind of... Okay, so how do I... Set up a newsletter and get my feel for it. But as you say, like, well, what's the welcome sequence? And then how do I come up with ideas? How do I monetize this bastard? You know, there's loads of things like that. So I think um, this is design all. Design You're going to be busy, Emma. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fabulous. Loved it.
0: But no, thank you very much. And I mean, all I can say is thank you to everyone else. Any other questions before we go, or is everyone kind of all good? Oh, thank you very much, Lenine. Thank you for your questions and topics. That was wonderful. And uh, I'll see you all in the community. I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna just think about this a lot and do nothing. So you'll see me dodging, I, I will do. I can see, look at Emma's face, she's like, no, I'm not gonna let this bastard scream out of it. He's gonna, I will hold him down and make him do it. So I think I'm getting closer. So I will definitely start implementing these things. The newsletter is coming soon. So thank you everyone for being here and thank you for the advice and the tips. I will see you in the community. Cheerio.